During the coronavirus crisis and lockdown, Rabbi Katz will be delivering an informal pre-Mincha study session on Zoom every day at 6.50 p.m. If you're interested in joining, please send an email to rabbidkatz at gmail.com indicating that you would like to be added to the Zoom meeting, and you'll then be sent the link to access the Zoom learning session. Okay, here we are on Thursday. Now that we're all still in Corona lockdown land, uh, so gives me a few minutes. Maybe I can hush off the Parsha podcast, discharge that obligation. Uh, the yes, I was able to put some time into the Aruch Hashulchan or the Aruch Hashulchan, I should say. It's not the Aruch, but the Aruch Hashulchan. Um, and today I want to look at the Parsha, um, I guess, especially, look, you can't help looking at things except in the light of contemporary events, and obviously the big business is the lockdown, the quarantine, the coronavirus, and all the rest of it. Um, before I do any further, I want to say that today's podcast, Parsha podcast, is uh, being sponsored by Dr. Mrs. Sharp, by the Sharp family, uh, friends of mine, congress of mine, sponsors of mine. In honor of uh, Phyllis Scharf, the Dr. Scharf's mom, whose yard set, I think, is this weekend. So, as they say in the Shamashan and Aliyah, and uh, this is, uh, you know, let's put it this way like many other people, Dr. Scharf is not going to be able to say Kaddish. That is the Tzav Hashal. We have to find other ways of honoring the memory. Uh, one way is to sponsor a podcast, uh, seriously, but the other way is to say Bishnais and things like that. And uh, I read somewhere in Israel they're talking about saying Kaddish online or something like that. I can't follow that, but uh, uh, I do. We are grateful to all of our sponsors, and uh, now I move on. As I uh, said, this is well. I didn't say, but this is uh, quite a Shabbos. It's a Shabbos when nobody's going to be in shul, isn't that right? That's that's interesting. So if you're going to follow the parsha, you have to do it by reading it at home. If you haven't done your shnai and mikra after targum yet, uh, this week everybody will be very assiduous in doing their shnai and mikra because you got all the time in the world. And you can even do it super fancy style. You can do the Unkelis, and then you can do the Rashi, you know? If you're a Hasidic, you can even do the Unkelis, the Rashi, and then the Or HaKhayim. So you could be a real frummy this weekend. Uh, but in more serious vein, Vayakel and Pekude, you have a double Parsha. My Bar Mitzvah Parsha was Vayakel uh, many moons ago. And uh, it wasn't double Parsha. Thank God I had enough trouble. I don't know if I can remember that far back. I just remember how bad I did, but... Uh, <laughs> When the double parsha, that would be quite a challenge. Although, you know, there are by mitzvah boys who do it. Um, so that's as far as Vayaka Pakude, which, as we all know, is about the the building of the Mishkan and the accounts that were given by Moshe for the money he discharged. Uh, he dispersed, he raised and dispersed, let's be accurate, in the uh, Mishkan construction project. Uh, but, of course, all that's going to be viewed, I would say, in, in light of the real Parshas of Shavuot. And that's the coronavirus. And the conditions we all find ourselves in. And, uh, you know, we're not usually into uh, the reality in the modern world of Amagefa. Although in Jewish history, you do Amagefas. And I know, in light of the current uh, crisis, everybody's strung around to Rabbi Kivegar, you know, when he wrote that famous letter at Shiva with the Ketoris and all the other things back in the 1800s. You don't need to hear that from me. You'll hear from anybody else. Um, I'm not sure if I have time. Uh, maybe I'll do a podcast on uh, epidemics and plagues in uh, Jewish history, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to do that. We'll see. Uh, but as far as the Pasha is concerned, let me put it this way. It reminds me a little bit uh, 
Uh, well, how should I phrase this? Here we are about to hit Pesach. We got Parshas Hakodesh, where Hakodesh is Elohim Rosh Chodeshib. And what's it all about? I mean, I'm sure if there were pulpit rabbis operating this week, then they would be giving the following speech or something along these lines. What do we find coming up with the Pesach story? And what's the very essence of the word Pesach? The Malchamovah should skip over the houses. But that's everybody wants with the coronavirus. The idea of locking yourself in and 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 the uh, quarantine is specifically so the Malchamovah should should pass over the house. If you have senior citizens and they're living by themselves now, they don't they minimize contact. They don't see anybody else. It's with the hope that the Malchamovahs for Isis a Pesach. You know what I mean? They'll see the blood on the doors, and the Malchamovahs go elsewhere. Matter of fact, I remember some of them of Farshim. Ooh, I think the Abarmanel uh, says that the uh, Mashchis that killed the firstborn in Egypt was Mamash the virus of some kind of, it's like a bad air or a mist or something like that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how he defines it. Uh, of course, he's living in the 15th century, if I remember the Abarmanel correctly. Somebody like that said it. And I remember the movie, it's like that. So, and they got it from the Louis Ginsburg book, which is from the Legend of Jews, based on all the Chazals. So uh, there's a lot to say about the history of plagues and in Egypt, besides the Dever. So there's plenty of information out there. And I know my kids on the family chat group and other, you know, Indian, each one's, a, you know, it's like the virus. Each one is a part of another chat group. So it goes weiter and weiter and weiter. Uh, you all know what I mean. And uh, they're passing around all these, you know, Rambans and Balaturnims and this and that and the other. Democritus, for crying out loud. I have a friend of mine, a professor at... Uh, at Brooklyn College, and you know you're in trouble if the professors are quoting Gematrius, very nice uh, uh, person, I won't mention his name, embarrass him, and uh, he's saying <laughs> over here, because he's near some Hasidic minion which is fighting as we speak near Brooklyn College, whether or not to close, you know a lot of these shuls are still holdouts, and I'm sure you're reading the news that's being updated all the time, the Hasidim have a bigger uh, uh, amount of it, it says Shabbos HaKodesh, Shabbos HaChodesh Im Minyan, the word, I'm just reading what the guy sent me. I didn't check this out. Shabbos HaChodesh Im Minyan, those four words, Bigamatria equals Ezer Gibra Kovash Es Yitro. So uh, what our boys get, but like I tell you, you know, if uh, if the academics are calling Gematrias, we're in Gehaktatsaras. <laughs> you can sell all your stocks right now. Uh, but uh, it's only natural because uh, the story of Pesach, Pet, the word Pesach itself, it means skip up Passover. Uh, alternatively, it means, by the way, your mercy. If you look in the uh, Unclos. Uh But either one, everybody wants either to be passed over or to have mercy and then not and be spared this uh, particular Magafim. So it's just very interesting in, in, in how we do it. And it reminds me, really, of the story. I don't know why. I, no, I'll tell you why. I daven alone at home. You also daven bichitas. You better. You better. So, uh, so therefore, I'm, I'm, you know, I have a room where I daven and all that. Oh, one second. That was my son. Anyway, um, so I, I just daven mincha, and I, and uh, it was an old sitter, and uh, you say tachnun, don't you? Say tachnun. By yomer of double god, tzarli mode, nipple no biyad Hashem, kibrabim rachmov, how's it go biyad on a malapola? Isn't that what we say every day? Uh, what is that? By yomer of god. Uh, that's from the Shmuel Beis, where King David, because of a certain sin, it's not said what exactly it is that the Jewish people committed, 
is told that it's going to be a terrible punishment, and the prophet God, God, God is one of the prophets at the time of King David, brings him a message from God, it's like a game show in reverse. He says, there's a bad punishment going to hit you all, but you get to pick the punishment. You want A, or you want B, or you want C. And A was something like, uh, what was it again? You'll be, uh, you'll have a terrible famine for a couple of years, I think it was. And B was, you'll be invaded and chased by your enemies for like six months. In other words, you'll repeat what just happened to you with the Absalom rebellion, which is a terrible incident for David on many levels. And C, you can have a magefa, I think, for three days. Uh, so in other words, God himself will strike you with a magefa for three days, the Jewish people. And pick. Uh, oh my goodness, you know, it's like asking somebody whether you rather die by, by hanging, by stoning, or by beheading, or something like that. You know, pick this punishment. And King David famously says, Sarli mode, nipple nubi Hashem, I'll pick number three, Kirabim Rahmab, because God is a softy. And sometimes he says he'll do a plague three days, but then he'll have pity, and it won't be as long as three days. We had all the apologists, on no circumstance let me fall in the hands of man, because man is utterly ruthless and pitiless. You know, when people are bad, my goodness, they're bad, and they're unbelievably cruel. The Bronshalm was never that cruel. He has a, a moment of cruelty, and then he. Then he catches himself. This is the way we always interpret in the in the Chazal. You know, God, like, uh, what did you say? Loses temper for a second, but then regains it. So a second is a long time if it's divine. But nevertheless, it's 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 uh, still limited. And in the course of the story, if you read it, it's in the end of Shmuel. In the course of the story, I seem to recall, it didn't last three days in the end. It lasted something like a half a day, six hours. Now, 70, 80,000 people died in that time, but nevertheless, that's what happened. And you could see the place where the Malach Mab is stopped. It's actually a very good speech for the coronavirus. It's a pity there's no pulpit rabbis working this week. Uh, and that spot where the Malach Mab is stopped is, um, what do you call it? That's the base of Migdash. That's the Gorin Haravna, the, uh, the uh, threshing floor that belonged to the Canaanite, the Jebusite, named the Ravna, which King David immediately proceeded to purchase. That's, I think, the very end, I believe, of the Book of Shemuel. I believe that's the very, very end, I think. Uh, so, uh, isn't that interesting? Talking about a plague, and the pla- a place where the plague stopped. Now, there was a miracle, the place where it stopped. That is the base Hamigdash. Uh, it's very apropos for, for, for the virus, all the rest of it. If only we could have a situation where it stopped. Now, what does it all have to do with Pesach? Actually, that verse is quoted in the Haggadah. Uh, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where's it say? Vesacher of Hadever, maybe, or something like that. You know, towards the middle of the Haggadah, of the Magad. Actually, towards the second half. Where what is, you know, as how this, as how that. When it says, what of it is Zehacher of Harbash That is referring to that situation where the, uh, where the angel of death is, uh, has a sword drawn toward Jerusalem but didn't quite get there. So we all hope that, uh, you know, we don't want 70,000 uh, casualties, Jewish casualties, but nevertheless, it's kind of interesting that you have this all happening at this time of the year. My son, Shmuley, showed me somebody sent him some balatorium. A little interesting where it's the Yochluhu, you know, in, in the Parsha Chodesh, and there's some connection with Mashiach time. When Mashiach comes, they're also going to be hiding in the house, or, or let's put it this way, uh, staying within so that's just an interesting thing because 
Vayakel, which I said before is my Mitzvah Parsha, uh, has many unusual aspects to it. Uh, aside from the dating of it, was before or after they goes up. I did that with you last time. But uh, right at the very beginning, you know, we all know it says, Lo You No fire. And everybody knows this, that, you know, you learn the Malachas of Shabbos and what they do in the Mishkan. But the irony is that you can't do those Malachas which were involved in the construction of Mishkan. But in the Mishkan, they didn't keep Shabbos, by which I mean, in the Mishkan, as everybody knows, they did Karbonas. And so, as uh, as the Gemara even says, Lo in Moshe we can't do fire. But in the base of Mikdash, you can. I tell you the truth, I forgot all that, uh, especially in the current climate. But I was looking at Avram ben Arambam, and uh, uh, because uh, just something came up, nothing uh, to do with this, and I saw he made a point of mentioning this, and then I remember it's in the Gemara. Uh, in the Beis HaMikdash, they do Mechal Shabbos every day, if you want to call that Mechal Shabbos. You know what I mean? No, they do the Malachas, which is kind of interesting, because you think it would be the opposite. And Moshe is even telling everybody, like Barashi says, you know, juxtaposing the Binyan Mishkan with the with the Shabbos that you know what you, you that the, the the building of the Mishkan is not Docha Shabbos, building a base Mishkan is not Docha Shabbos, but in the base of Mishkan there were Docha Shabbos. It's it's strange, and uh, you know uh, why is that? And you know, I'm not the first person to think about this, but uh, you know for a long time people were trying to speculate, like what's going on over here. And some took the position, and you find this at great length in the Torah Shlema, where uh, it's a pikuch nefesh. Again, that's the word we're hearing all the time. Pikuch nefesh. Uh, that's why they're telling you don't go and make a shoal minion or something, or any minion. It's a pikuch nefesh. What do you mean? The carbonus are, are vital for the survival of the Ocalistro, the survival of the world. And so, and by the way, there are chazals like this. There's Tosefta's and whatever, in which it says that, you know, Pikuch Nefesh is Docha Shabbos in this case, in this case, and in the Avodo. And it turns out that uh, it's just, like I said before, it's a, the paradox is just interesting to me. Uh, why is it that you do the Avodos? You know, they, they cook, they bake, whatever they do in Shabbos. Uh, plenty of things inside the base of Mikdash. I mean, they're psuking to back it up, obviously. I get that. But, but nevertheless, it's an interesting phenomenon that what nobody's allowed to do, you go there in, in, the, in the temple, in the holiest place, and you see that they do it, uh, Torahs, whatever, and um, kind of makes the the best I could think of is that it kind of goes to the heart of what Shabbos is. Um, and there, and let's put it this way: what you and I do outside the base of Migdash is one way of doing Shabbos, and what the new base Migdash is another way of doing Shabbos. Meaning, what is the basic idea behind Shabbos? Well, God rested on the seventh day. Right, uh, We all say that. And in order to imitate God, we too rest on the seventh day. Whatever Shvisa means, whatever Malachas means, and all the rest of it. He rests on the seventh day, so we rest on the seventh day. So the plain, straightforward meaning of that concept is reflected outside the temple, outside the Mishkan. You have to conduct yourself in a way on the seventh day of the week in which you rest. You refrain. That may be a better word or way of saying it. Shabbos day refraining, because we all know, without belaboring this obvious point, 
that you don't mean a rice, you don't have to rest on Shabbos. There are a lot of work and malachas you could do other than the 39 malachas. You can schlep things and go shopping. I'm talking about midaraisa now. Shopping and all kind of other things and get away with it. But you can't, uh, you know, so I'll call it refrain. However, in the basic mission, not that way. You have fire, you have leisha, you have all the other malachas. Uh, what does that mean? I'll tell you what I think it means. Uh, God doesn't really rest on the seventh day. It's a higher understanding. Because if you took that as literal meaning, if God went to sleep, so to speak, on seventh day, or simply said, I'm putting myself on the off button on the seventh day, we believe the world would cease to exist. Because the fundamental idea of Judaism, at least within the last 800 years, is that nothing uh, exists without God continuously willing it to exist. And uh, in that case, what's happening on Shabbos? Shabbos doesn't really mean he rested, he ceased, he refrained, because then nothing would be. Rather, you have to get a little more of a sophisticated concept of what Shabbosa means. And without sounding too frummy dummy, you know, you have to say that on the seventh day, God adopted a hanhaga of Shabbosa, a hanhaga of rest. Which is not the same thing as, as resting. Meaning he's not ceasing, but in kind of a relative terms. And I think the Gemara even says that when they translated the Bible into Greek, what did they do? You know, they, they, they changed a bunch of words, didn't they? And one of the things it says was that they changed the Pusik by Yom Hashvi Shabbos Is that what they said? I don't remember. It's uh, in, we're in the second paragraph of McGill or something like that. Isn't that right? <laughs> Yeah, so I just pulled out a Gemara. Uh, here it is in the first paragraph of Gil. So this is when they translated the Torah to Greek, you know, the Talmai story, I know everybody knows that. So one of the things they changed was, let me put it this way, what does it say in the Chumash? So, translate. So, God concluded on the seventh day all of his work. So that implies that... He was working even to the seventh day. So he's working on the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, fifth and sixth, which is Friday. And he concluded his work. That's the Pashup shot of learning it. Not that Vaychal lends itself to a Pashup shot. If you know biblical Hebrew, it's a very unusual word. But nevertheless, so it was on the seventh day. So it sounds like he worked on the seventh day. And apparently when they translate the Bible in the Greek, they didn't want to get involved in that. And so it says they changed it into, instead of they, 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 re, they changed the text of the Bible and wrote to make that more clear, that he concluded the work. So the work ended on Friday. That's the way they wrote it in Greek. The story goes in the Gemara, uh, so that the entire seventh day was devoted to Shvisa. Okay, that's the the story that's given over there. And Rashi says, "What were they afraid of? What I just told you, Shlo Yomar in Cain also Malacha b'Shabbos." Sounds like God did work on Shabbos. And Talmai, who was a Greek king, you know, second pharaoh of Egypt of the Ptolemy dynasty, Greeks, Macedonians actually. We're not makabel the drush of Chazal, meaning they didn't accept the art scroll version of the rabbinic version, which says 
oi, Baichal B'yom Ashvi means Mahayom Chos Menucha, that what the world was like in Menucha, Bosa Shabbos, Bosa Menucha, and that's how, uh, and, and Shabbos was the late, like you say, the, the Makabapach, the, the last uh, um, icing on the cake, shall we say, or something like that, which is a little strange. Now, this is actually, to my mind, historically very interesting because hey, you have a Greek king, if it's this really Ptolemy II, um, you know, it's an unclear story. There's a different version in the letter of Aristeus. Believe that aside for a second. Uh, so what are they worried about as far as Shabbos is concerned? The Jews are saying they're not allowed to work on Saturdays. Uh, this is something that uh, the Greeks, like Ptolemy, the Ptolemy dynasty, honored. And so Jews throughout the Greco-Roman era were permitted to observe the Sabbath. And uh, this was seen as an ancient Jewish custom. And before Ptolemy came along, when it was all in Hebrew, they just figured that's a Jewish thing. But now they're afraid that they're translating the Bible into Greek, which of course they did do. Uh, and now the guy can read it, and they'll say, hey, it doesn't give you a, a loophole to rest on the seventh day. Uh, God worked on the seventh day also. Guess what? We'll work you on Saturday and let you out at midday, at noon, or something like that. That's what that's what the Bible said God did, so why are you claiming to get off totally on Saturday? So this would be actually a threat to uh, Jews keeping Shabbos. And rather than deal with that, they cha- they, they lie. They change the words of the Chumash itself to say, that all labor ceased on the Friday, and and seven day was devoted to rest, and therefore get off our backs, and uh, you know we should be allowed to continue to keep Shabbos. And apparently the story is that's what they did. This is an interesting fact. Now, uh, the Rashi alludes to a uh, more or less famous medrash, which is in the medrash you know, in the pasuk of Bayechalim Beyomashi Malachdurashosab, and the medrash, indeed, in its best style, notices this problem with the Shabbos stuff. And remember, our parsha Tevayakol is the one that says Lo Zavarish V'Chomish V'Sichem. So what does the matter say? Uh, that Rabbi Shalom Rishmol Yosi, Rabbi Huda Nosi, asked Rishmol Yosi, "Shamatam yavichu mai vayichal b'elohim b'yamashvi." Rabbi Huda Nosi himself was wondering, "What's takav shot? Why is he b'yichal b'yamashvi? Why does he say b'yichal b'yamashishi?" Which uh, I'm guessing here, but probably Rabbi Huda Nosi, who also was friends with the Romans, probably was asked this question: "Atn bitmiyah? Did God?" Uh, uh, cease work on seventh day. I saw God only work for six days. So, Rishmol Bar Yossi told him over what his father said, and he said, you know, if I uh, start a malacha on Friday, and it ends sort of by itself on Saturday, as we do today with appliances, uh, and with cooking, for example, shahia and all that, so, uh, if you do the work on Friday, the fact that the work concludes on Saturday doesn't mean you were working. The work, you know, went on its own. Right? It's Nigma Meilov. So if a guy is Makaba Cornus, if you hit a uh, an anvil with a big hammer, so look at me, I'm picking up the the, the anvil and I'm I mean I'm the hammer and I'm throwing it down or hitting it hard. The act took place on Friday, the bang took place on Saturday, so I didn't do the work. Just imagine if I, uh, I'm just going to make, I think, I'm, I'm guessing what this menace means. 
suppose I took a big hammer, and at the very last moment on Friday afternoon, at the very last second of Shabbos, I picked that hammer up and dropped it. So, I mean, literally, I released the hammer at the last second of Chol. So, uh, the minute, the instant later when Shabbos commenced, I wasn't doing anything. But the falling of the hammer on the anvil will take place the first second of Shabbos. You get it? Uh, now, did I do the work? Well, technically I didn't. That was a technical answer. Did God, which means he did all the work up to the last second. <laughs> That's obviously what Yossi means. That all every little last second was some constructive thing going on. But the cessation of it took place by Yom Hashvi, notice in the first seconds, so to speak, of the seventh day. That's a way of explaining it. And an uh, Amr of Shem Yuchai, upon which Shem Yuchai was there, he said, that doesn't make any sense. A human being might have that situation. But God can arrange matters that he doesn't drop the hammer even at the last second, meaning God can make it that he works up to literally, literally the last millisecond prior to Shabbos and commences exactly there because after all he's God. And, and can so arrange matters that nothing would have to uh, be completed and play itself out on Shabbos itself. So what do you mean over here? And uh, so uh, how do you explain it? And it says, Geneva Rabbonin. So two other people, Geneva, remember him in the Gemara, Geneva Yatzalakolar? Geneva and Rabbonin uh, debate how to explain it midrashically. And that's what Rashi and the Gemara Megill is talking about. Uh, one is Mashal Melchal. By the way, it's a beautiful Mashal. Vayichal, uh, usually we understand he concluded. That's the way we translate it. Not necessarily. Vayichal can be from Lashon Chas and Kala. So any of you who have it, well, uh, we're, I'm sorry we're in the coronavirus here, so there's no Shevrach that's going on except the most limited uh, frameworks. Uh, but if there is anybody here who's going to be present at a very small Shevrach, uh, you want a speech for Shabbos, you got one, because Geneva said, Imagine a king made a chuppah, but Sira and Kyron, he decked it out and, and put jewelry and stuff on it. And now it's already in the chuppah, is perfect. The only thing is lacking is the girl. Maya uh, Chaseira, the only thing that was missing was Kala Shetikonsetichah. The only thing necessary to make it perfect was the Kala. Well, what happened when the Kala came in? Uh, everything was perfect. The world was totally set and totally, uh, you know, created. The chuppah, in other words, the six days of creation were totally completed, and the only thing left was the piece de resistance, the greatest of the time units, which is Shabbos. Mayolam chaser Shabbos. So uh, when Shabbos entered, then the work was. So by the kala entered on Yom Hashvi, but the work was concluded. That's very midrashic, very agadic. It's very nice. It's a good vort. Like I said before, it's a if you're a speaker at a Shabbos and you can't make something out of that, quit. You know. And Rabboni gives some similar idea. Uh, so where am I going with all this? So you see the idea of Shab is not so simple. They don't mean the work ceased because the world continued to exist. But it's a different Anhaga that, uh, as, as Rashi so nicely puts it in the, uh, in the uh, Gemara there, Olam Chaser Menucha. Rashi's paraphrasing this because it's not identical with the text I just read you. Olam Chaser Menucha. The world didn't have Menucha. Basa Shabbos, Basa Menucha. So... It's not necessarily a negative idea of refraining, this idea of rest in the 
Greek philosophical sense, that you have the ability to cultivate uh, yourself, uh, self-building, self-cultivation, and that you need a time. So if you're working six days a week, literally, and you're working all that time, uh, then there's nothing left, there, there's nothing human about the person, or how should I put it, that's not the right word, because work is part of humanity, but there's nothing distinctively human about the person, is there? You don't know who you are. You don't know, you have quality of life. Imagine a slave who literally gets no day off. It almost boggles the mind. Literally, 365 days a year, without fail. Uh, there are slaves like that. I'm sure they don't last long. Because you got to give somebody up a little bit. Uh, you know what I mean? Just to recharge the batteries. No chance to recharge the batteries is a horrible fate. So, the kala, as it's described over here, the menucha is meyom ashvi. And so... Uh, that's a different notion than Shabbos. What am I saying? Don't burn fire. Uh, that's a negative. Meaning that's, that's a refraining. Uh, you know, uh, refrain from, uh, you know, uh, physical actions of that sort. As Hirsch puts it, Saints River Hirsch, refrain from constructive actions. That's one way of understanding Shabbos. And that's very important. No question about it. There's no Shabbos without the Malachas. <laughs> okay? However, a block away is the base of Migdash. Or a block away is the Mishkan. And there you have a different Al-Hagah Shabbos. There there is fire, but it's a sacred fire. There there is um, many other things Malachah has done, but they're done for Karbonus, which is Kachim, uh, for Ketoris, all these uh, sublime notions. And uh, now in the coronavirus, you hear a lot about the Ketoris because uh, that's obviously based on the fact that when they had the Korach episode, in the aftermath of the Korach episode, so the, the Malchamava started coming and killing everybody. Remember Parshish Korach? And the Moshe immediately says to Aaron, hurry up, and v'holich mehera v'sim katoris. And, you know, light the katoris, and that stopped the Matei Atzar Magefer. And doesn't Rashi or somebody say he stopped the Malchamavas right there? And the, the, first of all, it's a mystical notion. I want to remind you, the Korach people themselves offered the katoris and got killed. But what that means is they weren't worthy to perform that service. Uh, Aaron was worthy to perform that service, but the service is one of Ketoris, and uh, that's why they say now during the plague, everybody should read a lot the Pitmark Torahs and all that. That's where that comes from. And of course, ideationally, the Ketoris is the idea of all Jews getting together, like I mentioned in my Vardam Purim, you know, Kenosis Kno- called Yehudim, an old line, and, uh, you know, the good, the bad, and all the, all the spices together, that whole part. Uh, which we understand to be a tris connected to and the magaif is understood to be a function of malchamavus. So all these themes come together in very interesting ways. I recall a Reb Zemin who wrote a book, put out a book of his Shabbos speeches. I think that's the only book of Reb Zemin I don't like. Uh, what's it called? The Torah Lamodi, maybe that might be the title. I remember I read it once. I was so shocked that I didn't like it. Everything else from Zevin, I'm a, I'm a total fan, super fan. This one didn't turn me on. However, I do recall that uh, he tried to make in his way, he's a Lubavitcher, he tried to make in his way the argument that I'm trying to think of now, which is Shabbos is, um, Shabbos is a positive concept. It's not just refraining from work. And I remember he said it very poetically, I haven't looked at this, Safer in, I don't know, decades, in the Hebrew College Library. I have it in my house. I never look at it. But I remember, he says, 
This one is Menucha Sauv and Adoba, Menucha Semes Menuna, Menucha Shalom Bashashke Bavetach, Menucha Shalom Shata Rotsabo. These are terms that denote, he said, something more than mere cessation of work. These are denoting a positive Hanhoga. So, like I say before, a person who refrains from work but replaces it with self cultivation, even though that's a certain kind of work, also mentally speaking, no question about it. But a person who replaces one kind of work with the other kind, that's called Shabbos. You understand? It doesn't mean that you just sit there and, you know, like the Ramban says, Noble Rashusa to remember, you can sleep from Friday night to Saturday. By the way, I have known. I have known in my time some people who do that. They hit the sack at Friday night and they wake up Saturday night. So it's better than turning on the fire, but that ain't what they have in mind for Shabbos. What I just described, we sleep all the way through. It's not Menuchas Avonadova, Menuchas Avonadova, Shabbat and all that kind of business. Which is why in the Zemiros, we always try to sing about Shabbos as something positive, you know, something fancy. The fancy, schmancy business of Shabbos is reflected in the fire that's lit every Shabbos in the. Uh, in the Mishkan and in the base of Migdash. So the key Pasuk that I'm calling your attention is Los of Arish Bechol Moshvoseichem. Only where you live in the Moshvoseichem, but in the sacred precincts of the Mishkan, all the rest of it, the work is done, and the idea, I suppose, is is presented in ideal form. In ideal form, even the Gashmias should be turned for Ruchnias. Uh, that's not practical, uh, but it's ideal. Meaning, if a person can do that, uh, you're a very unusual person indeed. In the Masil Sharm, he calls such people Kadoshim. And, you know, uh, what he means by that is, if you, and I'm going to sound very firm over here, if you devote every second, literally, uh, you can look it up in the Masil Sharm, chapter of Kedushim. If you devote every second, literally, thinking about God, which is what he calls Devekas, you think about God, everything is mental, uh, then all, and if you mean it, I mean, you know, not faking, then all your Gashmiyastika things become Ruchnias, uh, if you reach that level. Uh, so, for example, let's say I was such a person. I'm not in your now, but let's say I was such a person. So every second I'm thinking about this, so, so everything I do is Avodah Hashem. So if that were true, then if I eat breakfast, I'm doing it to help survive as a human being, because you got to eat. To perpetuate my Avodah Hashem, to continue my Avodah Hashem. So the food becomes Kedush also. You know what I'm Because it was used in sacred purpose. And same thing with clothes and the car and everything else. If it was really used, Kulo, Avodah Hashem, very impressive. Then, you know, everything you're doing is for higher purpose. This is the idea, I think, of the fire in the temple in Shabbos. The Ketoris, the spices, the uh, cooking. The uh, whatever they do over there in the base of Mishra, all those malachas, the delosh and the afia, and you know, and all the but the bore or whatever, whatever, whatever it is, they find that they do in the base of Mishra. These are examples where the work is used in the ideal sense, and so you're left with this very interesting notion. At least to my mind, I like this part. You're left with the uh, to, with the idea that there's two fires, and they represent two ways of operating. One is the regular mundane way, which you and I do. In that case, since our Gashmistic actions, our fire, is used for mundane reasons. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's very honorable to make a living. I'm talking about somebody who's honest, you know, supports the family. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It's not a super spiritual ideal. It's, a, it's just fine. You show me a person that works and, and makes a living honestly and, you know, provides for his family and pays the bills 
and helps the community and gives it tzedakah. That's great. Everybody should be like that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Very admirable. However, it's not the Kedusha, the Kadosh, which is rare, okay? The Kadosh is saying, I want to use every Gashmi thing, you know, for a higher, part of a higher Avodah Hashem. We need that model, and that model is therefore in the Temple, okay? Now, uh, the sad fact is that base makes is destroyed, so they say, well, you got a show. At least it's, it's some approximation of it, right? You got to feel a bit you got some approximation. What are you doing? You ain't got no feel a bit similar, like you and I have at this moment that I'm saying this podcast. Everybody knows there's a million speeches. Look here, you know, the shoals are closed, and the number of bore. And by the way, you're not supposed to do feel a It's a screwball world. I'm a divider of over here. Passed the rule, had to, and, you know, minyanum are forbidden. Then it might be some people who are holier than God and more Catholic than the Pope, and they think they're going to make a minion on the side. They're doing the wrong thing. If you go down the internet, you'll hear this from the Agoda, from Lakewood, everybody got on board, just about. You shouldn't do it, because you're hurting the public health. Now, um, uh, then it's a bummer. You don't have the Tefillah B'Tzibur, you don't have the base Amigdash, you don't have the, 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 the fire. What do you have? Uh, you know, so I heard the other day, I think Rabbi Heinemann said, but I don't know where he got it from. I can't remember, so I don't want to misquote in a meeting, but I think it was a Meshach Chachma, but I could be wrong. And he said something to the following effect, that Tefillah B'Tzibur doesn't necessarily mean you David with ten people, which is how we usually understand Tefillah B'Tzibur, with a minion. Uh, and that's fine. Tefillah B'Tzibur means the following. Again, if I'm misquoting him, then I then, then I, I regret I don't think I'm misquoting but if I'm misquoting him, then I regret it. Um, but it's a good word anyway. And that is, Tefillah B'Tzibur means davening from the sitter. What do I mean? In the history of prayer of the Jewish people, at least if you go like the Rambam, for example, so once upon a time, long ago, for a thousand years, there was no prayer. Meaning, the Rambam says there is a chi of the rice to pray, but not three times a day, and not this length or that length. You say whatever you want. Uh, how you doing, God? Listen, I need somebody, I really need somebody over here. Looking good. You're great. You've got to give a Shalom. You won't hear from me the rest of the day. I won't bother you. You won't bother me. Yeah, something like that. That's a totally, uh, you fulfilled the riso. And uh, therefore, and by the way, it's more uh, natural. I've said this before many times, more like the Quakers. You, there's no falling asleep over here. You're actually asking for what you need. You're praising God, hopefully, with words that you made up yourself. But over the course of time, that didn't work out. And therefore, they replaced it. Don Chagansigo replaced it with the Shimon Esri first version, first iteration. And of course, then it evolved into the sitter eventually over the centuries that we have today. And so according to this interpretation, Tefillah B'Tzibur, I can do it in my house. If I pray in the way that was set up by Kali Yisrael thousands of years ago, so that all Jews all over the place, even when they're not in the Minyan, are using the same formula, you know, more or less. I know there are a couple of differences between Ashkan, Sephard, and Hasidim, and all, ah, but they're minor, okay? The basic structure, you got your brachas, you got Pesachat Zimra, Shemonesri, and all the rest of it. You know, uh, that, if you follow that Matbeah, so even when you're alone in an island, uh, you're doing Tefillah B'Tzibur. I think that's a very good vart. And it's a particular, maybe the reason I'm impressed with it is because we're in coronavirus. Uh, you know, people are not, this week you're not going to be able to read the, the to go to shoulder here to Delaney, right? And for all I know, the way they're talking about it now, it may be that we will be home, stuck at home on Pesach. Uh, you know, we're starting to come to terms with this reality. I hope not, but that's the way it looks at the moment that I'm speaking to you. 
which is just interesting. Now, um, that being the case, uh, so then we have to say, we have to hold on to this idea that I just said, which is that the tefillah of the means you're davening the tefillah that everybody else davens, and that makes you part of the tzibur. So you don't have to be physically together in the same room. Of course, under normal circumstances, we want the spatial component. That's the halachic practice. That's your, the Talmudic practice. You want spatial component. As you know, we have rules and regulations. What constitutes a room, somebody in two separate rooms, and all that kind of stuff. But obviously that's not possible now. In fact, not only possible, it's un- undesirable. So then we have to do the other way, which is that I'm saying the same thing that you're saying. It doesn't even have to be the same moment. It was just interesting to me, and I am sure it's happening in your community also, to switching the virtual minions. Now, I don't mean a virtual minion that you say, you know, Kaddish and Kedush and all that. I'm not speaking about anything halakhally controversial whatsoever. I'm simply saying people in Baltimore in many shows and around the country, I'm sure, are people just getting together at the same time, uh, they're diving together in the sense that it's like a virtual, you know, it's all on Zoom or something like that, or Skype. And uh, the notion is one of a tefillah b'tzibur. But even if you don't have that, the fact that you're using the sitter of Kali Yisrael, the Orthodox sitter, I'll use it, I'll put it that way, makes you that you're using the tefillah of the tzibur. Of the tzibur. And we have a rule that God doesn't uh, re- reject that. Let's put it this way. I hope that's the case, and so do you. And in that spirit, I say, we shall have a good Shabbos, and uh, we shall all pray. doesn't look like there's going to be dominating shuls this week or the following week, but I would like to be wrong. Listen, maybe Trump will come up with something out of his sleeve, and they'll find a vaccine in some stupid country somewhere, and the whole situation will turn around overnight. Can you, Ratzon, and have a good Shabbos.